Welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. This is the podcast designed to help you lead your life enthusiastically today, tomorrow, and every other day. I am your host, Ron Kaiser. I'm a positive health psychologist, also keynote and TEDx speaker, and author of the award-winning and best-selling book, Rejuvenating the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm. My website is the Mental Health Gym. It's your source of information about all kinds of things related to wellness, positive psychology, my own spin on it that I call goal-achieving psychology, rejuvenating, and it's also the place to communicate with me and even to suggest guests for future shows. As listeners to the podcast know, I take great pride in presenting a variety of guests who lead their own lives with enthusiasm and have different ways of helping us to become the best versions of ourselves in a positive, enthusiastic way. Today's guest meets that definition any possible way that you <laughs> As you can see, he's already enthusiastic before we, we even start the thing. So um, Dr. Dawson Church is the CEO of Energy Psychology Group. He is a PhD and is an award-winning science writer with three best-selling books to his credit, The Genie in Your Genes, Mind to Matter, and his most recent, Bliss Brain, demonstrates that peak mental states rapidly remodel the brain for happiness. So you can see why I'm interested in hearing from him. Dawson has conducted dozens of clinical trials and founded the National Institute for Integrative Healthcare to promote groundbreaking new treatments. The largest program, the Veterans Stress Project, has offered free treatment to over 20,000 veterans with PTSD over the past decade. So, you know, we can really be proud of, of his work as well as learning from him. You know, tremendous thing to be able to do for the veterans. He shares how to apply these health and performances breakthroughs through EFTUniverse.com. And we'll hear more about that later, but it is one of the largest alternative medicine sites on the web. I could list lots of other kinds of things, but uh, for those of you who have a limited drive time, I want to be able to get you to learn as much from what Dawson has to contribute as we possibly can. I personally am really looking forward to our conversation. So Dawson Church, welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. It's such a great pleasure to have you with us. Ron, what a joy to be here and what amazing work you're doing. So I'm equally grateful to you. Thank you. The pleasure is mine. And let's get right into it. Your website is called EFT Universe. What is EFT? EFT stands for Emotional Freedom Techniques. And often it's just called tapping because people practicing EFT tap on acupuncture points rather than using needles. And these systems, these energy systems in the acupuncture meridian chart are really well known. We can measure them nowadays with instruments like a a galvanometer. If we inject dye into certain acupuncture meridians, they'll travel along those meridians. So we now know what those meridians are. 
And it's really interesting to watch what happens when people are, are processing stress. And typically, just as one quick story, I worked with an Iraq veteran, and he'd been in Iraq for four tours of duty, had high levels of clinical PTSD. And I worked with him on one terrible memory, and we tapped together on this memory. Now, if he just worked on this memory using any other kind of talk therapy, he probably would have experienced this phenomenon called re-traumatization. But he talked about this, and he tapped on his acupuncture points at the same time. And his memory was being fairly new to his first tour, and one of his friends was killed. One of his friends was actually shot through the head. And he had the job as a medic of cleaning his friend's uniform to send back to his family in the U.S. And the uniform smelled so bad that he had to actually run outside the medic hut where he was cleaning the uniform, hyperventilate, draw in a lot of air, run back in, dip the uniform and held it in the cleaning solution again, but it smells so bad he didn't have to keep on running outside to breathe. So he was triggered at a 10 out of 10 level when he told the story initially. After tapping and telling the story, so again, if you just picture a typical therapy encounter, he's telling the story like he would to any other professional, but now he's stimulating these acupuncture points on these meridians with his fingertips, his level of triggering went right down to a zero and he changed the whole way he saw that story. So we work now with over 20,000 veterans. We work with people in Haiti who are earthquake victims, people in Rwanda whose parents were killed in the genocide at the Newtown and Parkland school massacre sites with survivors there. And it's amazing to see how EFT quickly releases trauma. So EFT is this way of very quickly changing the arousal of the emotional midbrain, the hippocampus, the amygdala, and other structures there from remembering a trauma and becoming hyper-aroused to remembering the trauma then with tapping and that whole part of the brain quiets down. So that, that is EFT in a nutshell. Yeah, that's that's a great explanation. And if I am correct, the specific points, the acupuncture points, are they're in the head and shoulder region, or where are they specifically? Yeah, they're at the end points of meridians. And so there are 14 meridians that flow through the body. There are end points of those meridians, and we simply tap on the end point of each meridian. And you can just look them up in my book, the EFT Manual, or a traditional Chinese acupuncture chart. Great. Now, I'm sure there are probably some listeners who already are hearing this and talking about tapping and getting rid of PTSD and uh, how is this possible? Is there a research basis for tapping as a uh, a modality of treatment? It's probably one of the the most researched psychotherapy and self-help modalities there are. And you can use it as part of psychotherapy. You can also use it as self-help. But there are over 100 clinical trials, and they show that EFT is effective for PTSD, for phobias, for anxiety, for depression, also for physical issues, autoimmune diseases like fibromyalgia and psoriasis. For pain, there are around 20 studies showing it's effective for pain, and pain drops an average of two-thirds in a tapping session. So, yeah, there's a huge research base, several meta-analyses and review papers, and so there's a large and growing research base initially into the psychology of change, now more and more into the physiology of change, Uh, the blood sugar levels of of diabetics, the immunoglobulin levels 
of people who are faced with infectious diseases, the cortisol levels of people who are under stress. So we're now looking at what's going on in the body during EFE sessions. And it's really cool to see the body changing internally as consciousness shifts, as emotion calms down and people become emotionally free. Amazing. So Dawson, where do people learn or how do people learn this stuff? I, I assume that there is some training involved. You don't just start. <laughs> there is some training involved. The cool thing is you can do it as self-help and a lot of simple things you can take care of with self-help. If, for example, you're stressed about an upcoming meeting or a place you're going or the holidays or being with family or a presentation at work, EFT works great as self-help. If you're dealing with trauma, we don't recommend you tap alone because there's that danger of that word I just described earlier, re-traumatization. And so if you're dealing with psychological trauma or an overwhelming pattern or a persistent pattern, a lot of people use EFT, for example, for, for weight loss. I myself began to tap for weight loss more than 10 years ago, and I've lost about 60 pounds. So it really is effective for that. But again, I did that with a professional. So you want to use a professional for things, especially for trauma that are, are big. And there are over 20 million people in the world using EFT and just tapping happily along for, for minor issues themselves, either or. But you do need training. We have, have a basic four-day workshop. We train coaches, psychotherapists, doctors, nurses, chiropractors, professionals there. And then we have a lot of just one-day experiential workshops, a lot of tons of like 10,000 free stories on EFT Universe. So we do it, most of what we do is free. And then if you want to learn more about EFT, you take a course, take an online workshop, take a virtual training, and then you can get deep into it. Well, I had known about you relative to tapping, but the other thing that I think you're quite well known for is meditation. And I, I think you actually combine the two, but I think you've had some really dramatic results meditation-wise. And can you tell us a little bit about those? Yeah, so I am the perfect meditation teacher for everyone because I have been a complete and utter failure at meditation my whole life. <laughs> Isn't that the perfect credential? I've failed at every kind of meditation I've ever tried. And I did make the commitment to meditating every day in 2000, in the year 2000. So it's now been more than two decades of meditating every day, just reinforcing my claim to being the world's worst meditator. I was doing it badly. And then I began to realize that a lot of what I was trying to do was mental. I was trying to quiet my thoughts or watch my thoughts or still my mind or watch my breathing, blah, blah, you know, all the usual styles of meditation. And I, I'm happy to, happy to announce I failed miserably at every single one of them. And then I realized I was doing a lot of PTSD research at the time. And I thought, what, what distinguishes the really effective PTSD approaches, diaphragmatic breathing, EFT, somatic experiencing, yoga therapy, from the ineffective ones. And the effective ones have the distinction is that they're physiologically based, Ron. They're physiologically based, they're doing something with your body. And the ones that work for me, the forms of meditation that work for me also were physiological. And the things like heart math, and in heart math, you breathe six seconds in and six seconds out. It's a mechanical act like that. In Princeton, they were, they were having people visualize the volume of space inside their bodies, a visual, physical anchor. Tapping uses a physical stimulation that calms the emotional brain. So all of these physiological cues are really powerful. And with eco-meditation, I simply began 
putting a whole bunch of them together. So you do things with your tongue, do things with your muscles, sit a certain way, breathe a certain way. And suddenly, without any kind of belief or even prior training, people are able to drop into these very, very deep meditative states triggered physiologically. So I began to offer that free on the web. My webmaster came to me around 2015 and said, Dawson, that crummy old page of eco-meditation up on the web, we're getting 10,000 spontaneous visitors a month. Let's do something with that. So we began to study it. We began to do some clinical trials. We made it look pretty. So if you go to ecomeditation.com today, it looks really slick. Uh, you can download it free. At the research is, is amazing. We haven't done a lot of studies yet, like we have for EFT, but the ones we have done, people get much happier, their anxiety and depression goes down. And the physiological ones show that, again, that emotional midbrain, those emotional structures in the limbic system calm way down very, very quickly. And then we've done one MRI uh, randomized controlled trial. And the results of the MRI trial, I describe in my book, This Brain, Literally, the, the neuroscientists who were doing the trial were emailing me when they were looking at the, at the brain scans after we compared the experimental and control group doing eco-meditation, and they were, they were just astounded uh, that in a one month of doing a 22-minute daily eco-meditation, just listening along to a guided track for a month, that there were structural and functional changes in the brain that looked like those of meditators who done 10,000 hours or more of meditation. So just these physiological evidence-based cues doing eco-meditation are literally able to trigger significant structural brain change, the actual structure of your brain in a month. And I'm just so wildly excited about the potential of human beings now to have all these techniques that can change not just your mind or your body, they're literally changing neural pathways in your brain. So that's Part of why I'm so enthusiastic about this stuff. It's just awesome. We can do this. That's incredible. I've seen some of the, the pictures. Now, I know historically that there is a body of research indicating that the brains of meditators are different than people who don't meditate. What's so good about it? In other words, the, the changes, what do they allow or permit or make you better at other than, than meditating better? Everything because so the old model of the brain, you know, going back to the early 20th century, was brain regions, a region for writing and a region for comprehension and a region for visual activity and so on. We now understand that the brain works in networks. And so there is one network to which the brain defaults. And so unsurprisingly, it's called the default mode network. And so when we aren't doing stuff like, you know, now we're chatting, our brains are really engaged. So the task positive network in the lateral parts of the brain is really turned on. I'm doing a task. I'm, you and I are sharing. We're formulating thoughts and questions and answers. And that's a task. So we're doing a task. And so when anybody is writing a letter, composing an email, talking to a friend, cooking dinner, changing diapers, whatever they're doing, they're doing a task. And then the brain is engaged in that task with the task positive network turned on. But whenever they stop, and take a breath and go take a little break, the default mode network pops on. And so we find that the brain defaults to these brain regions being active, and they are really useful because what they do is they review past threats. We think about the stuff that could be a threat to our survival, 
and it was highly adapted for our ancestors a million years ago. They're thinking about the tiger in the grass they saw yesterday. So the brain defaults to really analyzing the tiger. And then the future projecting, well, what if I see that pattern in the grass again? I need to remember that and I'll stay alive if I do. So that's what the brain defaults to by just any time we are doing a task. And the problem is there are no more tigers. And so what the brain does in the absence of actual tigers, it worries. It just worries about all the stuff and makes us fretful and stressed and anxious where there is absolutely no threat to our survival. And that's what the default mode network does. What happens when you meditate is we see, for example, in these experienced Tibetan monks, is they close their eyes and start to meditate. And within a few moments, they've shut down the default mode network. Because it's not only the source of our memory and learning of those threats, it's the source of our awareness of self, being self-aware, and it's also the main source of suffering. So when you shut down the default mode network, people get way happier. And so that's one thing you do in meditation is you calm down all these stress parts of the brain. What you also do though, and in my book, This Brain, I go into a lot of detail about which brain regions you activate. You activate what I call the enlightenment network. And it has four subsets of brain activity tissue. And I won't go to what those are now, but when those are lit up, you get super happy. In fact, your level of happiness rises in some studies over sevenfold. You get seven times as happy when you are operating the enlightenment network and you're not in default mode. So when you're in the enlightenment network, here's how it helps you in the rest of your life. In a study by the McKinsey Consulting Group of high-performing executives, I described this in my book, List Brain, they found that their level of productivity went up fivefold. They were five times as productive. In a DARPA study, the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, looking at people's ability to solve really naughty problems, difficult, thorny, gnarly problems, their ability to solve complex problems went up 500%. In other studies, creativity more than doubles. So what we find is that you meditate, get into a flow state like this, shut down the default mode network, light up the enlightenment network, and suddenly you are just feeling better during your hour meditation. Now you open your eyes, you start your team meeting, you start answering your emails, you, you do your regular job, you interact with your family members, and you're five times as productive. Your ability to solve problems goes up fivefold. You're more than twice as creative and your whole day is better. In fact, one study by Teresa Amabile at Harvard showed that one hour of entering those states produces 48 hours of changed brain function. So your one hour of meditation is literally changing your next two days. And people say, oh, Dawson, I don't have time to meditate. It's like, really? You know what? Five times the productivity and five times the problem-solving ability in your workday, you'd rather skip that hour of meditation. You really want to do that to yourself? I don't think so. So in this brain, I just show that it affects not just your brain and not just the structure of your brain. It affects everything that you do. Well, you've already established that you were the worst meditator. Uh, <laughs> I assume somebody has taken your place and has tried 10 or 12 or, or more uh, attempts at meditation. What is, what is different? Why are they going to experience something different coming into your approach to it? That's a great question. And in this brain, I answer that question with rigorous science. 
what does science tell us is effective in meditation? What do MRI studies of experienced meditators and novices do? What does they tell us about what's effective in meditation? And Ron, the, the answer is there are things that are extremely effective in meditation. And almost everything that people do in meditation traditionally is ineffective or harmful. Like, for example, close, I was taught when I was 15 years old and I was trying to escape my horrible childhood and went to live on a spiritual community at 15, taught to meditate, close your eyes, still your mind. It's like you close your eyes, the default mode network cranks up, your mind is not still, you're thinking about the bad stuff of the past and worried about the future. So those traditional meditation instructions are often really not useful to people. And you want to follow the science. And in this brain, I really, I'm rigorous. I'm saying, I say, these things work. And here's the research that tells us what, what those things are. And for example, the number one thing that works, the number one way of catalyzing, and again, what I'm trying to catalyze here isn't mind change, it's brain change. One case history of a guy called Graham Phillips, who began an eight-week mindfulness program, showed that when he began meditating and in those eight weeks, his emotion control circuit in the center of his brain grew, the neurological bundles in that, that massive tissue, they grew by 22.8% in two months. So you're, you're catalyzing serious anatomical change in your brain here. And there are a few things you can do that are effective. And most of what I was taught as meditation was either ineffective or counterproductive. The number one thing that you want to do is compassion. You want to be in your heart and you want to feel compassion for yourself and others. And again, that's going to make you feel better for sure. Your happiness is going to, going to soar. Your positive mood will soar. But like Graham Phillips bulking up that regulation circuit for emotion, you're going to build new neural tissue. And you're doing that at the rate of 10% a month in that particular circuit. Right. And that, that most other circuits don't grow that fast. Some are growing by 2 or 3% a month. That particular one, emotion regulation, has the ability to grow by 10% in just a month of the right kind of meditation. And the number one way of triggering neural growth is compassion. There are other ways too, but that, that way, that's, again, that's the rigorous science of what these MRI trials show us is, is the way that to get that brain anatomy that then makes you happy, creative, and resilient. Fascinating. The, uh, is there a best time in the day to do it? Definitely. When you wake up in the morning mm -hmm. and when we are active and I've hooked hundreds of people up to MRIs, I've worked with friends of mine who are into this, who hook thousands of people up to MRIs. And so our normal breaking, waking brainwave is beta. And that's from roughly 13 cycles a second to around 30 cycles a second. So beta is our normal waking brainwave. And when you wake up and your mind gets active, you're in conscious mind and beta. But when you're waking up, you're coming out of slow brainwaves theta and delta, and through alpha into beta. So if when you wake up in the morning, you can, before you get into thinking, that churning monkey mind that so bedevils meditators, if you can drop back down into those slow waves through alpha into delta and theta, the two slowest waves, then you, are, you have much more access to a deep meditation. So your brain is in delta almost all night long, 
We have delta sleep cycles of 60 to 90 minutes all, all night long. We, we emerge into theta for rapid eye movement sleep and have intense dreams, maybe five times each night. But most of the night, you're in delta, a little bit in theta. So when you meditate first thing in the morning, you're rather than moving into beta, you're then dropping through alpha, back into theta and delta in that semi-sleep semi state, which is also the state of super learning, trance, and altered states of consciousness like dreaming. So you want to capture and harvest that delta and theta early in the morning and not get your mind cranked up. That have to have to uncrank it <laughs> later in the day. Really fascinating. Do you, do you combine tapping and, and meditation or are these two separate skills that you happen to be interested in? Meditation is your baseline. And so I want people to start the day with meditation and establish that baseline of well-being, feeling as though you have this baseline of well-being, all is well with your body, your mind, and the world. So you start the day that way, but then shit happens. You know, you get to work and like there's this snarky email from a client or uh, your wife or your teenage son says something mean to you and, you know, blows it all up. What do you do then? <laughs> That's when you tap because you only need to tap for a minute or two. And again, we look at people in a in an EEG and when they start to tap on their emotional brain, emotional midbrain just shuts down like that. So you want to have that rapid stress reduction tool to bring you back to that state of, of well-being you were during your morning meditation. That, that really helps to keep things in perspective. And I'm just wondering, I know EFT Universe is the, uh, the largest uh, or one of the largest alternative medicine sites. How accepted are some of these things? You know, do you interface with more traditional medical doctors or psychologists or so on? Or are you considered an outlier? It's, it's mixed still. So 20 years ago, energy healing, energy medicine was very much an outlier. 30 years ago, it was regarded as woo-woo crack quackery. And then there were a few little openings starting in the early 2000s. We began to do serious research around then. And so now with over 100 clinical trials behind EFT, there's no serious doubt that it works. But then again, moving to institutional acceptance takes a while. So we were approved by the US Veterans Administration as an evidence-based therapy in 2017, after about 10 years. In another 10 years, we'll, we'll probably be in, in the next step where, where every veteran will have access to EFT. So it's a slow process, but it is, it's happening more and more. I have many uh, doctors and nurses and psychotherapists and psychologists in my trainings. So it is more and more getting into the mainstream. Uh, Kaiser Permanente is a giant hospital system, mostly in California. They uh, published in their journal a couple of years back guidelines for treating PTSD with EFT. So more and more, the evidence base is just so strong. Like the average number of treatment sessions for PTSD is six. What other therapy can you offer a veteran or Holocaust survivor or a, a school shooting survivor. We worked at Parkland with our volunteers who worked at the, were working in the Newtown school shooting population, the, the kids, the, the parents, the teachers of the school shootings. Where else can you give somebody six one-hour treatments and the flashbacks, nightmares, intrusive thoughts just go away? It's a super efficient technique. 
So it is gaining more and more institutional acceptance. That's really good to hear. I don't know if it's just my curiosity. I hope listeners too, but you know, since you do have kind of a unique approach to things, can you tell us a little bit about your journey to get to, to this point, how you became who you are? The desire to escape misery and suffering, like most of the human population, I had a pretty rough, difficult set of circumstances growing up as a young child. And by the time I was a teenager, I was depressed. I was suicidal. I just couldn't stand being on the planet. I just wanted to escape. And so eventually I did escape to a spiritual community. And I thought maybe I'll find some relief from my unremitting misery <laughs> here. And uh, I, I, I made progress. I learned energy healing, learned meditation, learned about the perennial philosophy underlying all the world's religions. But, you know, it made me a little bit better, a little bit less unhappy, but moderately and then I began to take psychology courses, and I never did, did graduate in that field, but I began to study psychology more and then self-help, spirituality, and I got you know, a little bit better over the years. And then when I made that commitment to meditate every single day, I was in a real crisis at the time. I was 45 years old, and I was just my, a lot of things weren't going well in my life, all my parenting, my business, all kinds of multiple challenges. Suddenly, within a few months, everything changed. And then I learned tapping and things changed more. And then I retrained as a researcher. I began to write. I discovered that I was, I was in book publishing before that. I totally different, different, different career. I retrained to, to, to work with people, to teach people, and began to become a speaker and an author. So it really shifted my trajectory. We train hundreds of people, thousands of people actually a year. And we find that their lives change with this work. Uh, they're on one course of their life and their lives just shift completely when they get trained and start to use these methods. So I, I just went from being a miserable person wanting to get better to finding out that you could get really happy. And there was Bliss Brain, realizing that I wrote, the, I wrote Bliss Brain in 2018. And in 2017, in October, my wife and I lost our home in a wildfire and it happened in, in a, just a matter of moments. She woke up in the middle of the night. I looked at the clocks at 12.45 a.m. I looked out the window. There's a glow on the horizon, which is not a good thing in California, where I live. Ran outside. There was a wildfire sweeping down the valley toward our home. We literally grabbed our car keys and phones, threw on some clothes, and ran for our car and drove out through the flames. And so we just we lost everything. We lost every single thing we owned. Many of our neighbors died in, in that fire. It was called the Tubbs Fire. And we just had to then cope with this devastating loss. And I then had a number of medical problems after the fire as a result of the fire. I, uh, we lost all our money. Our, we just wiped out financially. So we wound up there being in our 60s and having no retirement funds. So the year after the fire, the Tubbs Fire, 2018, was by all objective accounts, not a good year for us. And there I was meditating every morning. I'd sit down, run, close my eyes, start doing meditation, and I found myself in absolute bliss. I just sit there in the morning feeling prosperous. I'd write these blog, these posts in my journal about how prosperous I was. In the meantime, I'm broke and I can't meet, pay, can't meet payroll, but I'm writing about how prosperous I feel, how happy and healthy I am. 
and there's total disaster all around me. And, I, and then I thought, you know, I'm going to start sharing this stuff. I mean, these techniques aren't just feel-good techniques. They make you so resilient that you can have your house burn down and all your money go away, and you still feel, you're still living in this ecstatic state of bliss. Not, you're not spiritual bypassing. You're dealing with your trauma. You're getting therapy. You're tapping. But there's another state there. So I wanted to share with people that despite the pandemic, that despite financial crashes, despite personal upheaval, health crises, we can learn a degree of resilience and a degree of just sheer absolute ecstatic bliss every day that the average person has no idea is even possible. So that's how I came to do this work and be where I am. Can't think of a more uh, definite endorsement to, to be. I, I hadn't known about all all this stuff and... Uh... It's really, really, aside from what we've learned from you today, it's really good to see you and see you smiling <laughs> and laughing readily and stuff like that. Really an endorsement of your techniques. So I have one other key question for me, and then I want to learn a little bit about where people can get your information and so on. But I'm wondering, uh, I always like to throw in a question uh, for that approximately half of our listeners who are in the second half century of life, is there an age limit to your techniques? Or, uh, you know, I mean, there, there historically have been feelings that you can't do much to change the brain past a certain age and uh, all this kind of stuff. A lot of it is, has been debunked, but it's still out there. And uh, I'm just wondering, you know, do you have any special advice or, or thoughts for, for the older population? Well, being the age I am, I'm extremely interested in that question. And so I'll tell you the results of one, just one study. There are tons of studies which back this up, but one study published last year, a stunning study, because we used to only be able to examine beta amyloid and tau plaques in the brain post-mortem. So the way we, we, we knew that beta amyloid and tau plaques are cluttering up the brains of people and triggering Alzheimer's symptoms was after they were dead, there was a post-mortem, we'd look at their brain tissue. And what those plaques look like on the brain is you see a nice, beautiful, white and blue, clear neural bundle. And then it's like somebody dumped a scoop of tar, like asphalt on it. That's what a beta amyloid plaque looks like in the brain. And it stops the signal getting through. And then they start to forget. They can't signal. They start to forget their wife's name. They start to forget how to eat and hold a spoon and their kidneys get out of function. And then over a course of many years, it's a long, slow, horrible death of degeneration, of dementia, of loss of function. But there are new scanners where they don't have to do that. They can actually literally, it's like an MRI, you know, MRI, and they can measure the tau and beta amyloid plaques in your brain, not invasively. So the first studies have begun to hit like this. And this definitive new study was published very recently. And it showed, it looked at all the risk factors for Alzheimer's, all the risk factors for Alzheimer's, including genetic ones. And it found there was one that stood head and shoulders above the rest as linked to the deposit of beta amyloid plaques in the brain. And that one factor that was more important than all the others was negative thinking. The more negative thinking people did, the more the accumulation of tau and beta amyloid plaques in the brain, and the more negative thinking they did, the greater and faster the accumulation. Now, that's just one study. There are others that show things like cortisol 
is high cortisol, your stress hormone, is producing calcification of the learning centers in the brain. So you absolutely want to reduce stress and negative thinking. And you can do this at any age. The earliest neuroplasticity studies in humans in the 1990s were of people in their 80s, and they found that they were producing new neurons in their 80s when they learned new tasks. So reduce stress, reduce negative thinking. You then trigger all this neuroplasticity and there's no end point. In Bliss Brain, I looked at the studies of experienced meditators, 20,000 hours, with super experienced meditators, 60,000 hours of meditation. And even after 20,000 hours, 30,000 hours, 40, 50,000 hours, some of them are in their 80s, their brains kept changing. So reduce stress, your brain will keep changing. When your cortisol goes down, if you can reduce your cortisol, and again, we have several clinical trials showing conclusively that EFT reduces cortisol. When cortisol goes down, that means it's associated with increased muscle mass, increased bone density, increased memory and learning, increased myelinization of sheaths around neurons in your brain. In one study, an hour of EFT was found to produce changes in 72 genes, including many anti-aging genes. So absolutely, reduce your stress and you have a whole different outcome. Identical twin studies, which I cover in my book, Gene in Your Genes, show that by the age of 30, that identical twins can be biologically 25, five years younger, or biologically 40, 10 years older than their 30-year chronological age. And some of the studies are of twins in their 90s, same thing. thing. Some are biologically much older than their chronological age, so some are biologically much younger. And it's stress that's making all the difference. So I'm I'm not saying don't take your supplements, don't exercise. All that stuff's important as well. But the number one thing that's going to affect your aging trajectory is stress. Well, that uh, gives me something to work on since I'm older than you. But uh, hopefully we can keep going, uh, both of us, and keep producing. And that's real helpful advice. So I want to get to the specifics of what you have to offer, aside from all this stuff that you've told us. First of all, can you give us a very short course on your three books? And I know you've spent some time on Bliss Brain, and it's a terrific uh, book uh, regarding some of the stuff that we've talked about. But can you mention the others and what the, the themes of them are? Yeah, so the first one was The Genie in Your Genes. And I wrote that book right after working with Bruce Lipton on his book, The Biology of Belief. And it was designed to look at the effect of energy work like EFT on the genes of the body. And it shows that it collects the research showing that as we shift our consciousness and our stress level and our sense of well-being, it produces immediate direct effects on which genes are turned on, which genes are turned off, and our whole genetic profile. So the science behind that is in the gene in your genes. And then around 2015, I got interested in manifestation. And I thought that all this uh, new age talk about your thoughts create reality was just charming mythology. I didn't really think that your thoughts did create reality in a direct way. And so I began to look at the science behind it. That's what I do. And I have a big question, what's the science there? And I thought, well, maybe I'll find that there are some suggestive studies there. And the science in, in that book is called Mind to Matter just blew me away. It's just amazing that we can scientifically 
trace the causal links in the chain from thoughts to things, from thoughts in our minds to molecules in our bodies, and from thoughts in our minds to molecules like we're drinking water right now, research showing that literally if you have healing intentions and you bless water, you are literally changing the molecular structure of water. I have a little hydrogen and oxygen atom model in my hands right now. That bonding angle changes when you bless water. So we're literally changing things on the outside world as well through our, our minds. And then this brain is just about these ecstatic states, about the neurochemistry of them, about the neurochemicals they unlock in our brains, about the changes they produce in our brains, and how we can take the learning of science, of the states of these adepts, these Franciscan nuns and Tibetan monks, these ecstatic experiencers, and then turn that into a practical program of happiness and well-being ourselves. So that's sort of the trajectory of the three books. Okay, great. And uh, I know you've got tons of stuff available to us online. What, where can we learn about what you have to offer, your training programs, things of that nature? If there's something specific you want to mention, please do. But I, I mean, this has been such a fascinating program. I'd be remiss if we didn't have a way of letting people know how to get in touch with you or your organization. Well, one really cool thing to download free is we have an immunity meditation. I encourage you to download that because we did two clinical trials a while back, and we were looking at levels of immunoglobulins. And these are the antibodies that protect your body from coronaviruses. This is way before the pandemic. We were just looking at your body's levels of immunoglobulins because they're the frontline of defense in your, all your mucous membranes, your nose, your eyes, your gut, and so on. And so we were looking at the levels of these immunoglobulins in people's bodies. And we found that in a week of tapping and meditation, they rose by 113%. They doubled, more than doubled. Cortisol in that same week dropped by an average of 37%. So when the bad stuff goes down, the stress levels go down, it produces this explosion of, of immune function, much, much better immune function. And so I made that meditation based on those two, two clinical trials we did. And that meditation is at tapping, just tapping like we've been talking about here, EFT tapping, tappinggiftgift.com. And so that'll be the very top thing you get there is meditation. You also get the EFT mini manual and a bunch of other things. So that's one place to go for the meditation. For the books, just go to blissbrain.com or mindtomatter.com. Each book is free at those sites. You do pay shipping and handling, but the books themselves are free. And all the meditations there are free. And those are the ones that we're showing actually change brain structure within 30 days. So those, those two places for the books, go to blissbrain.com or mindtometer.com. And then for the immunity meditation, go to tappinggift.com. And what if somebody wants to go further with trainings and things of this nature? Uh, do you offer yeah. that? We have a basic four-day training in EFT, and we teach those in different parts of the world. We teach them virtually now. We also have a certification program, and we have hundreds of people going through that every, every year. Many of them are life coaches. Some of them are teachers or, or parents. Many of them are medical professionals, mental health professionals. So we have a four-day workshop, and then if they want to actually make a profession of it, they take the certification program. And again, that's, that's fully mentored. None of the stuff is very expensive. We try and keep all the costs as low as possible. The basic stuff is just free on the web. So 
take a training, take a workshop, read a book, take an online class. We have online classes for insomnia. Like I think we've had 7,000 people go through our insomnia class so far, give evidence-based methods for insomnia, including EFT and meditation. So all of those you can get to through that tappinggift.portal. So, so the tappinggift.com is where they can find out about everything. Is that correct? Everything. Yep. Okay. So we'll have that in the show notes so that people will be able to get all the information. If you're, if it's not convenient to write it down at the moment, you know, just check the show notes. I, I can't, I'm a little bit overwhelmed by all the stuff that I've <laughs> uh, So am I. <laughs> I entered as uh, uh, really supportive of uh, a lot of the stuff that you're doing, a little bit cynical about some. And, uh, you know, I've learned a lot to be able to use in my own life as well as what others know. And so I'm, I'm really proud that we've been able to get this information out to our listeners. And Dawson, it's been an absolute delight talking with you, learning from you, and can't promise I'm not going to get back to you at some point to, to learn more. But uh, I really appreciate your willingness to share so much and so completely. Oh, it's been a joy. Thanks for having me. And I just wake up every morning happy, balanced, enthusiastic, and can't wait to, to share more. So thank you for helping to get this to many other people. Yeah, that's great. You're a, a terrific advertisement for your system. Want to wish you the best of luck and uh, we'll, we'll try and stay in touch. So it's, uh, it's again, been a, a real delay. This has been today's episode of Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser with our special and important guest, Dr. Dawson Church. Thank Dawson once again. We encourage you to take advantage of all that he has to offer and uh, be back next week when uh, we'll have another interesting guest that can help us lead our lives enthusiastically in the most healthy way possible. In the meantime, we hope that you'll visit the website, uh, thementalhealthgym.com. And also, please tell your friends about the podcast, download it, share it, uh, rate it, review it, and feel free to comment on it and suggest future guests. Remember, we're still in the midst of the pandemic, so uh, stay safe out there. And there's a lot of things you can do for your immunity by just re-listening the podcast and going to some of the things that Dawson has to offer. So until next time, it's Dr. Ron Kaiser signing off. Stay safe and stay healthy and especially stay positive.